Find Your Feet with the Find Your Feet podcast. It's been really exciting to see our podcast going from strength to strength. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed to iTunes or SoundCloud and receives our podcast when we release them every fortnight. I'm really excited today to be introducing you to Andrew Bonsi. Andrew is the Director of Healthy Training, a small exercise and rehabilitation gym in Hobart. Andrew's background was in elite golf, but more recently he's got himself involved in the sport of Masters Athletics. Uh, It's actually a sport that he's been enjoying with his entire family, his son, his daughter and his wife. Andrew has a very holistic approach to life and also to rehabilitation and strength and conditioning for athletes. Andrew has been quite a figure in my life over the years. Not only did he actually buy our old family farm down in in Sandfly, about 30 minutes south of Hobart, but he also became a mentor to me in times when I was striving for elite competition in the marathon and also more recently in the sport of trail running and sky running. In fact, it was only about three months before the Ultra Trail Australia did I sit down with him to talk about concerns that I had with my strength and conditioning for the event. I really wanted to tailor those last few months of preparation and it was Andrew who gave me some very wise advice. What you'll get out of this conversation today is that Andrew really believes that one needs to work on oneself first before you can build your strength and conditioning We talked a lot about nutrition and views on his way of life with healthy eating and healthy habits. And we also talked about how athletes can strive and strive for big goals without undermining their sense of health and self first. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Andrew. I think it took us to some places that I didn't expect to go. And I know that you're going to come away inspired by his approach to his life. So, without further ado, let's introduce you to Andrew Bonsi from Healthy Training Tasmania. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, this has been a work in progress to get this podcast finally happening. Um, I, I guess, so healthy training. So healthy training, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do with your work as we get sort of started on this discussion? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, healthy training is a, a small exercise physiology practice here in, in Hobart, uh, uh, based out of the Rest Point Health Club in Sandy Bay. We've... Um, um, we're probably one of the oldest exercise physiology practices. We've been here now for unbelievably 15 years. Wow, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. So since uh, 2001. Um, and uh, we've, uh, um, we've actually kind of... Uh, uh, exercise physiology has, was kind of a little bit unknown 15 years ago. It was really just in um, institutes of sport and mm. you know, high-performance kind of you know, um, sport. And so um, it's... Thanks to uh, some government interventions and things, it's really become more of a, um, a, a focus for the whole population. And um, 
I guess taking those principles and bringing them out and uh, bringing them out into the uh, into the yeah you know, for the mainstream to be able to use as well, not yeah. just athletes. And uh, and so there's got some momentum going now, and the exercise physiology is really becoming a really big field, you know, uh, in 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 mainstream health, which is great. Yeah, it's really interesting, um, and that's probably where some in some ways your and my path crossed was back in the day, and I sort of touched base with you as an exercise physiologist to get advice on training, but. At the same time, we seem to have the same value that what we aim to do with our workplace is to expose the everyday, let's call it athlete or person with exercise physiology or elite sporting principles yes. to help them with their own health. Is that correct? Exactly. It's a, it's a, it would be a shame that only the athletes got the information, you know, and, uh, and the reality is that uh, it's, it's information that we can all apply no matter how fit or strong or yeah. um, athletically uh, sound we might be. They're all principles that if you put them into your life, you're going to improve. You're yeah. going to improve your fitness, you're going to improve your health, and uh, and you're going to make it safer as well. So you're going to yeah. make you know, the sport more of a thing that you're less likely to get injured in, yeah. um, and uh, and hopefully perform a bit better at. So. But I guess you're not sitting here as at a place of preaching to maybe the audience listening or the clientele who walk in the door, because can you tell us a little bit about the goal that you've been setting yourself more recently with your own athleticism? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, um, uh, my son uh, is 11, has been doing all athletics for the last couple of years, and so I, uh, I really enjoyed being around it and not met a lot of nice people, so I thought uh, I would make some uh, purpose out of my own regular training and start to uh, do athletics myself and uh, I'm hoping to do a uh, decathlon uh, hopefully by the end of the year now hopefully October November um, and then there'll be another one next February so I've been training already for 14 months and um, yeah. and some of the events are pretty challenging so I'm still kind of we're building up to them but I'm um, having a lot of fun getting there, so yeah. So which has been the most challenging event for you so far? Well, um, there's two, the two main challenging ones are uh, the pole vault um, and the hurdles. And I think the hurdle is actually harder than the pole vault, believe it or not. It's, uh, uh, it doesn't look that hard on the television, but when you actually have to go and jump over the, the hurdles, and from, even though I'm already 40, um, the, the height is still 99 centimetres I've got to jump across. So, so 10 of those over 110 metres and to try and do it without looking completely, uh, <laughs> you know, just like I'm jumping them. Try and do it properly. It's actually a real technical challenge, and uh, yeah. and that's why I'm enjoying it. There's so much skill acquisition involved in learning all the different disciplines in athletics, and um, yeah, so it's been a great kind of journey so far. It's been going for uh, um, yes, yeah, I started about last April. I started training, and uh, yeah, I've managed. I've had a couple of little injuries along the way, but I actually escaped pretty well, and uh, and, and getting there with it. It's so, amazing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the deck decathlon, you have a lot to learn. Like you used to already had a background in elite golf, and and then you dabbled in running. I know yes. because we've actually been on a few runs together, and, yeah. and you're pretty decent at it, but. That for me, that's actually quite incredible that, you know, you set this goal for yourself, challenge for yourself back in April last year. We're already in, what, June this year. So you've been slowly chipping away at that challenge for 14 months. So is that one of your underlying values around, you know, preparing for things is patience, thorough preparation and taking your time? Absolutely. Um, there's two aspects to that. Um, 
one, I want to try and do it properly. I, I guess I could enter a competition and you know get through it, um, but I want to do it. You know, uh, uh, you know, golf has got a lot of skill acquisition required to it, and mm-hmm. this has got a lot of motor learning and you know and, and different skills to be learned as well. And so I've really been you know doing a lot of uh, I guess a lot of visualization, a lot of rehearsal at home, you know, practicing all the different moves and to really try and get them properly uh, to do them properly. The um, the throws as well like I mean they are so technical I mean to be honest with you even though I've got an athletic background I didn't realise the technicality in each of the events even the 100 metre sprint you know has got all these phases to it that you need to be able to get right and to hope to make the race go as well as possible and uh, mm. so even running in a straight line is hard but then you start throwing all the other variables as well there's so much Absolutely. to learn and uh, uh, and so I've been slowly building up but also not just from the skill perspective but from uh, the body's perspective as well you know I'm 41 now and yeah. um and so I know coming into it, and I haven't done a lot of like explosive movement over the last you know ten years. I've done mostly ten k fun runs and things. Mm. So, and uh, and so I knew that my tendons and you know they weren't going to be just able to just go and jump into like doing all the jumps and all the explosive movements. So. I really started off not doing the jumps to start with. I haven't done a lot of long jump yet. I haven't done a lot of high jump yet. And the pole vault and the hurdles only started this year. So the first year round was really getting my running fitness up mm-hmm. and, uh, and getting, uh, I guess, getting that uh, strength. Uh, we, we worked for strength and kind of speed endurance for the first, uh, this first six months or so of the training just to try and get my body up. So I did a lot of 400s and 800s and 1500s. Um, to try and get and the training that goes for those um, so that I could get some you know, decent speed but without really focusing on that pure acceleration and things at this point. Yeah. So. But uh, and I, so I can hear, I mean, you can hear the enthusiasm for your challenge. It obviously, when you set that goal, it was making your toes tingle and I actually want to talk about goal setting in a while. But yeah. I'm still really interested in, in how you've managed to really retain the patience to work towards it and... And I guess the other way of asking that is like when you work with your own clientele who come in here, people like myself who say, mm. oh, I've got this goal, it's quite a long way off, it's four months away. You know, what, what is your thought process? Because most of the people you work with aren't junior athletes. They're people in their yes. 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s. Yes. Um, you know, how do you, I guess, yeah, how do you cope with this concept that in modern society we are all impatient, I believe, Absolutely, um, and yeah. set goals that realistically should have more lead-in time and preparation time? Yeah, it is. It was one of the things I have to work with the clients on is this idea of um, setting realistic expectations around what it takes. Um, the body is an extraordinarily resilient and uh, an adaptable thing, but um, if you know, it takes time to be able to prepare it for something. And uh, um, like anything, whether you're learning the piano or you're learning any you know new skill, um, it's that slow and consistent kind of work that really you know shows up after a few months down the track. You know, someone would see you doing something and they go, "Oh, boy, you can play the piano fantastically." Yeah. But they don't realise is that uh, you know it took some you know a lot of work to kind of get to that and uh, you know people um, of course it's great they come and they they, they wanted to make a change to do something mm. different but uh, it's uh, um, yeah it's kind of like helping you know, people to be able to realise that well, the body will change for you you just have to kind of help it to do that and yeah uh, but you mentioned how resilient the body is and what I find is that so many of us can set a goal that you know, might be something like running 100K, you know, mm. and 
you can set that goal and almost four or six months later actually do that goal. But I guess the question I always ask myself, at what cost does that come to your future endeavours? Yes. Um, because what I find is that either it might not be a great experience or it might have been a wonderful experience but you don't pull up very well or you pull up well but then the next time round you don't perform as well because you carry residual fatigue. Yes. Do you find that? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think one of the things is that um, I, I guess you want to try and finish where you, you know, started, you know, and so um, uh, those 100k events, obviously, you know, those and those bigger challenges like that. Um, obviously, we've only got so many of those in us, you know, probably. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, is that uh, um, if you do have a longer lead in time and you allow your body to adjust to the training, and and you know, then it can be something that's more sustainable over the longer term. Um, yeah. Our bodies are designed to be used, and they want to be used, but it's about allowing them to be ready for it. Um, I think that, um, and so, yeah, I, it's so often I see people who are going to do a marathon because someone said it would be a good idea for them yeah. or something <laughs> like that. And uh, and we all know that experience of, that, you know, being able to you know, break through your challenges and, and to get mm. to the other side is great. Um, but uh, by the same token, is you want it to be something that you look back on that's not only been good for you in the here and now, but it's been good for you, you know, for the future as well. It doesn't become a negative, you know, yeah. experience in the end. I so. think that's the thing is you don't want it to be something that puts you off that and or you break, you know, two or three weeks out and go, oh, I can't do it, I'm not a runner because I get injured. It's more about, like, I guess how we've gone about the process. But I'm really interested, I guess, like you talked about, you know, you, you're nearing or you are the age of 40 mm-hmm. um, and you're embarking on this goal, but... Does age change how long people need to prepare for challenges? I mean, you work with a lot of older clientele, I know, in yeah, healthy training as yes, well. Yes, so. indeed. Yeah, it does, uh, it does have an effect. And also, um, uh, basically, you know, it depends. I'm lucky. As a, I was a golfer previously, so I didn't have a history of playing football mm. or something like that in the past and getting completely beaten up. I'm sure if I had done something along those lines, I might not be able to embark on this now, you know, which is kind of a case in point of what you were talking mm. about. Um, fortunately, I don't have any kind of serious structural injuries or anything like that, really. So I can and I can do it. But even still, um, it takes longer for the you know the body to adapt to what it, what it can do. So I think there's two points to this. One is that um, I have to uh, you know really, particularly for the um, ballistic training, you know what we call you know, the kind of the dynamic kind of training, which is what you would do for the sprinting and things like that. Um, I can only really phase that in and out of my program. Where with an athlete who's you know 15 or 20, you could keep that in there for you know three or four weeks at a time. I only bring it in one week here and taking it out again and going back to my strength base and then bring it back in again because if I do it for too long, my body won't handle it. You know, so yeah. I just know that uh, you know it just won't be able to cope with it. So if you have if you have a background in physiology, so I guess a science background, mm-hmm. how much of what you're talking about in terms of phasing things out, fa- phasing things in, phasing things out, is coming from an understanding of the science or an intuition and an ability to listen to the body? I'd say it's it's eighty percent, ninety percent listening to the body. Right. Yeah, that's the reality. Because science is great, but the reality is, you know, um, everyone is is different and uh, and has a different uh, makeup, and so therefore. 
Um, it really has to be. And I think any athlete will know that too, that they have to be able to go, well, you know, week six of this program should be this, but the reality is I'm feeling flat or I'm feeling sore. It's going to have to be modified. You know, the best plans are made, but the, you know, you, you have to yeah. be able to make them adaptable. To I completely able. agree, but I would also argue that most athletes are really poor at that. And, you know, maybe I'm speaking with my own sort of shrouded brain here, but I find like, <laughs> the brain fights us so often you know your body's screaming one thing and you're like pushing on thinking look next week's the recovery week I've just got to get to there and then you know whether you break or Mm. you get run down or you start underperforming in training and you know then you know I should have stopped but the brain fights us all the time it really does and it's a you know it is a learning experience I don't I guess you don't know whether you were right or wrong until you did break in some respects you find where your limits are and it's, mm-hmm. obviously you don't want to get to that point yeah. we're trying to avoid that from happening um, we want to you know, keep it back from that but um, the reality is that uh, there is it can go either way sometimes you will be telling yourself you, you know to stay in bed this morning and mm-hmm. other, and you really could, could have got up and got going and you would have felt better for it um, but most of the time you can listen to your body you know and the, the benefit is the fitter and healthier you get the more your body tells you the truth you know so the more you, you know, um, the more you listen to it, but also the the, the more kind of finely tuned it becomes, yeah. the more it tells you, uh, hang on, yeah, this is it, and you can understand how it's feeling. So it's a learning experience. You know, you've got to kind of go through it a little bit. Hopefully, not have too many pitfalls, but by the same token, realize that uh, there's sometimes when you can challenge yourself, but most of the time, I'd say, particularly when you're getting fit and you're getting really fit, then you can listen to your body, and if it's saying no, you know, it's it's saying no, you know. Yeah, and then at the same time. There's, a, there's another side to that is that when you get that fit and you no longer pull up so sore from training sessions and things like that, you get that you almost it quietens the noise in the body at the same time, doesn't it? It, it, so, it does. Yes. And, uh, and it's just that fantastic feeling you get too from the training and it's like, you know, you know um, part of my training is um, uh, at the gymnastics centre on a Monday night for the mm-hmm. pole vault. It's like, you know, pole vaults where gymnastics meets athletics basically. And so we do a session down there, and uh, with, uh, with James Thomas, uh, sorry, James Fitzpatrick, a big pun, who's a uh, uh, really fantastic physio, and mm. also um, uh, decathlon uh, decathlete as well. And wow. uh, but he's the pole vault coach up at the Domania, and he runs his class. And um, and we come home from that, you know, seven thirty, nine o'clock, and we're buzzing. You know, mm. it's just fantastic, and your body's just feeling great. You know, you just. I always get home, I always feel like going for a run. You know, you just feel so awesome. Yeah. And you just know that if you do that again, you know, you're just going to be trash tomorrow. So you just yeah. got to learn how to wind it down and to be able to, to you know, kind of recover as well. Well, so, I'm really interested in that because just before you said when you reach a pinnacle of sort of health and fitness, how amazing it is that you can listen to your body. Like, it really does speak to you. Yes. But you, that word health in there, like, how, how important to you is is this concept of health like I understand from my own experiences at healthy training and also having a good look at your background and your bio that um, holistic is a word that you've used a lot yes absolutely well I think this is where you can kind of um, separate fitness from health you know like Mm. everyone thinks oh well I'm fit I'm healthy yeah Um, and uh, the reality is that um, they are two they can be two different things so you can be awfully fit and really not very healthy at all and so my kind of caveat to all this is that is this making you healthy? So, and even if it is, um, you know, elite athletics these days, of course, and any kind of 
endeavor you know is pushing that border all oh, the God, time yeah. right yeah. really so it's like um and so you know it's human nature to push things to the nth degree but um the reality is that for most of us who you know we're not trying to get into the olympics if we can do eight tenths of what we see we're actually going to be healthy as well as being really fit as well and we don't have to be that next little level on that's going to be you know you know smashing world records or something it is a fine balance isn't it but what you know what for you personally are the foundations of your health that also allows you to get to that point where you can hear what your body is telling you because there are so many things in our modern lifestyles that I think cloud that ability to listen to our intuition and our body you know I'm even thinking along the lines of social media let alone caffeine sugar (laughs) you know poor sleep there's so many things. So. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, that's effectively what, um, when we're working with people, we, we kind of talk about those foundations of health. And uh, um, so on top of the list there is mindset. So if you're, you know... Huh, interesting. So that's the thing. I mean, you know, your mind, you know, can have an uh, effect on your physiology. You can make you breathe faster, which you know, we think of breathing as the most important physiological function. Well, if your mind can make you breathe faster, then it's, you know, having an impact on your physiology. So your mind's going to override your you know physiology every time so um uh you know we use the pros and cons of of exercise and and and, you know to go you know with your mindset obviously uh, we know the benefits of exercise on mood and you know and things like that but define mind like is mind just your thought processes is mind your emotions like what is it i would say it's i would say mind is your um you know it's multifaceted um it's yeah it's your thoughts it's the way you know you use your outlook um and it's effectively um it's the sum total of your ability to be able to perceive and, and live in the world and so if um if that is uh, being clouded um, or being, you know, uh, uh, you know, becoming frazzled because of all that's going on, then that's going to be the overriding thing that's going to uh, you know, have a negative impact on your performance, not only with any sport you do, but in your performance in your life as well. So it is kind of like the master driver as far as I'm concerned. And so how do you personally work on mind? Because, I mean... I've been trying to do a lot of work on mind, but gosh, it's a beast to time. <laughs> yes, well, I think the trick is that you just don't go straight at it. You know, yeah. you actually just, um, you know, it's kind of like if you go straight at the bull, you know, it's going to be always hard. But it's about, um, it's about putting all the other factors into play and then just standing back and watching it grow, basically. You know, so instead of going straight at the, uh, at, uh, you know, at the, at the, the, the main target, you mm. basically, if you put the other factors of your health in the play, in play, and so you, you you're taking care of exercise. You, you're giving yourself enough time for enough rest and recuperation and downtime. Um, you know you're, you're focusing on eating healthily. Um, you, you know you're having enough time for social interaction, and you got that that right balance for yourself as far as you know engagement with your friends and your family. You know basically you put those things into play first. You make sure you're getting your own, you know, your, you know, your own needs met and you're finding out how you can help others. And you, you know, those are what drives us as a human being. Mm. Once you've done those types of things, um, then basically, you know, you can kind of sit back and just let the, the mind, you know, do its thing. It's basically improving that way. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, we too get too caught up in, um, you know, we all have our weaknesses and our strengths and we get too caught up in the things that we're lacking or we need to improve on. Um, you can, it's a real myriad and it's a real kind of, you know, room of mirrors sometimes mm. as well. So. 
So do you set, like, um, or do you think about your values or do any gratitude practice or mindfulness or meditation or, you know, anything that... I guess helps you to keep all of that in balance, or not in balance, because I don't believe in that personally. Yeah, 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 balance is going coming back. Yeah, yeah, you might pass over it occasionally. Exactly, it's a seesaw, (laughs) but eventually you sit in the middle somewhere. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, no. Look, basically, um, I try and I work on um, I call them peace points. Basically, where you find times in the day where you just don't have any input. and so, for example, I often drive home in the car, you know, 25 minutes and not listen to the radio, you know, and just have some quiet time. Um, and, and, and that works really well. I also, um, you know, to be honest with you, I, have, I really benefit from doing Tai Chi, although I don't, haven't been practicing it recently. But uh, the few times I've have done it, it's been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, um, and I also um, basically find that when I do some of my lower tempo exercise, like mm-hmm. I go for my, you know, because the decathlon has got the 1500 meters in it, so you do need a bit of aerobic fitness. So um, uh, when I go for my little 4K, 5K run, uh, you know, after the first couple of Ks, I slip into the what I call the I know mind. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm just running back, mm-hmm. you know, not having to push hard or anything. Uh, and that's like, you know, that's the best meditation of all for me, yeah, to be honest okay. with you. Okay, so combining movement and mindfulness in some ways. It really works well. Um, yeah. yeah, sitting still um, for most people I found makes their head go faster. Mm. And uh, and so sometimes a bit of you know not overexertion but just to have the body moving and and as I described it's the same as swimming <coughs> you slip into the I know mind you know if you're a good swimmer you just go out there and you just you know throw one arm after the other and eventually you know it all unwinds and that's where I kind of said not, not like go straight out something you just kind of let it you know it happen and uh, let change happen as opposed really to interesting because you know. there's a there's a huge school of thought out here at the moment that we need to be much more consciously aware of our values we need to be much more reflective we need to participate in gratitude training mm. you know and like really going out of our way to I guess accept the good bits that are going on in our lives as well as the things that need need change and in some ways you're almost which is refreshing to hear that maybe sometimes it's better to sometimes take a back step off ourselves yes. and it probably depends a little bit on personality doesn't it I mean I think so yeah look I, I definitely it makes me feel a lot better you know if you've had a bad day or something to actually go okay what am I grateful for that really works really well for me um, and so you know I think that that's something that uh, you know you, you, can, you know sometimes the chips are down and, and you really just go okay but there's so many great things going on I'm you know how lucky I am and you know, there's so many uh, you know wonderful things happening too. So, um, and in this world of uh, you know watching the news every oh, five good. minutes, you know it's really hard to uh, to uh, you know remember that there's lots of good people everywhere and there's yeah. lots of good stuff happening. And because uh, we're not getting that feedback, really, we just hear about the bad stuff most yeah. of the time. So, yeah. So that's um, another good tip, I think, isn't it? To uh, yeah, it definitely is. But I guess in all of this, you know, we've talked about your athleticism, but you also run what you would call as a practice but yeah. in, in other ways it's a business it has to yeah, keep your function. Float, function put food on the table yes do you do any reflective work within your business do you or do you take the same approach to how you approach your health and well-being and sport it's a bit of a blend i um i you know we did a massive new business plan last year to see what we were heading and what we wanted to do i think you've got to have a rudder you know you've got yeah. to know where you want to go um, and you know, even though the, the idea of where I want to go is not exactly 100% clear in my mind, I've got some you know glimpses of it occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have some kind of you know you know. 
push to be able to, you know, head in that direction. Um, but, I, you know, I have staff who are working for me and, you know, and that staff changes from time to time and they bring different skills with them and those skills then go and new skills come in with somebody else. So I, the business, therefore, does kind of morph and go in that direction as well based on who's working with me at the same time. So, um, so there's a bit of both. But as far as the values of the, uh, of my, the business are concerned, that is something that we was a big part of that business plan that we designed. Mm, mm-hmm. um, you know, and basically... Um, one of the things I we work, you know, basically one of the first things I say to all my staff is we, we need to make ourselves useful, you know, and how can we help people, and uh, and so basically, again, that's I think the as I said before, what humans are made for is for helping others, basically. Yeah. And uh, and so that's what we try and do. We try and go, okay, well, what do we, you know, what do we need to try and, and, and you know to do to try and help, and uh, and so you know, there's plenty in the health world to help in the uh, in our current you know, society. So there's yeah. plenty for us to do. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's definitely a huge bucket. I mean, we look at health around the place and it's deteriorating. It's undeniable. Yes. Um, what do you think it is that makes someone get to a point where they want to make a positive change? It, it, um, it, it either happens. There's two ways. Um, uh, it basically, um, sometimes it just really, um, it just, you know, it's been kind of in their mind for a while. And, uh, and they've been kind of thinking about it for a while um, and, uh, you know, it finally flips over. And so it's kind of like, you know, that's a kind of good way because obviously they haven't anything bad happen. But often it's because something happens to them. You know, they injure themselves or, you know, they get a diagnosis of something, a medical diagnosis or something. And so then in they... that way you're talking about pain, like pain as a motivator for change? Absolutely. <laughs> pain is, you know, is the number one motivator for pain uh, for change. Absolutely. It's... Uh, um, and, you know, it can not only just be physical pain either, you know, it can be that they've had a bit of a knock, you know, either emotionally or mentally as well. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I read that on on your values or somewhere on the website when I was doing my homework yeah. for, for the podcast. But you mentioned pain. I think it was you mentioned pain as an emotion. Yes. I was really interested by by that comment or by that statement. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, basically, even from a single cell amoeba all the way up, you know, our number one thing is to avoid pain, you know. Our number one of any organism is to try and avoid pain. And so it's built heavily into our DNA. Of course, you know, we learn from it. So it's like it's, you just don't want to just try and put ourselves in a cotton wool either. It's important to be able to challenge yourselves and realise that there's going to be some failure and there's going to be some things that come along the way. Um, but, you know, as long as you learn from it and, uh, and feel like you can, you know, and that's certainly what we want people to try and do is to be able to feel like they, uh, you know, have challenged themselves in one way or another and, uh, and they're making some new ground and then they, uh, yeah, they can just keep changing course accordingly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this concept at the moment, like this topic that we're on um, about how pain can pop up and can definitely make you sit up and go, gee, I want to make change. But then I find that there's another level to it where you actually go through the, the regular processes that lead to change. So I guess, Andrew, this is really interesting for me. It's something that I've been really interested in for a while. It's like pain can be the motivator of wanting to change, but then there's the element of needing to do the daily actions that actually allow us to change. Mm. And I find I'm really good at getting myself excited about, yeah, you know what, I want to tidy up my diet, I want to you know, make some really positive changes in my world. 
but I find taking that next step and making it a habit mm. really hard. Almost, for me, I would say almost impossible to keep that, you know, positive action, I guess, happening on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. So, well, one of our sayings actually is that um, motivation comes second. You know, so it's actually the doing for a while that actually therefore makes you motivated to then do it. So if you think about what you're experiencing, you I would call that you 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 have some inspiration to do something yeah, different, yeah, right? So yeah. you're inspired, or you know something has led you to want to change direction, and that's that's good. And but the thing is that often people will jump in with that, and it's good because I've obviously I've got the fire to change mm. something. But if you try and change all things at once, um, it is, it's all too hard, particularly if your life is already pretty full and it's got lots of things happening. It's actually really hard to go, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And as boring as it sounds potentially, um, you take the lowest hanging fruit, you change the easiest thing you possibly can and, and, and just keep doing that for, you know, for as long as you can. And yeah. then, until then, you become motivated to do it. I mean, uh, it's it's the motivation comes because it actually then starts feeling good to do it. And so, uh, I'm not sure if that resonates. But the idea is that um, that change happens anyway. Change is inevitable, so to speak. So mm-hmm. if you might as well, as I said, try and point that rudder in the right direction and try and make it lead in the direction of, of this very gradual change. You don't have to change. The, you don't have, to have a quantum leap. It's kind of human nature to want to do that, I know. but So I guess, you know, there's been... I need to put some examples around what we're talking about. So for myself, and I don't know how this sits with you, but mm. I've been really trying to get my body to a point where inflammation is less of an issue. And I believe when I looked across my lifestyle that I felt a lot of my diet was leading to an inflammatory response in the body. It was causing me to not recover as fast as I wanted to from training or racing. Mm. And um, so, I, you know, the first thing I started thinking about was sugar. You know, there was a lot of it yeah, right. <laughs> buried in the diet. I think most people probably do um, in, yeah. in reality. But so I got really excited and I started thinking about how can I do this? But I found that creating a habit around it was, was incredibly difficult. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I didn't have the things in the pantry, for example, to avoid sugar. But yes. it was that um, my mind fought me. On it, and I would say that I'm not alone in this. That no. you must see people all the time who come in here, I don't know, want to start an exercise routine, a bit overweight, and can't make that that leap, you know, into yeah, exactly. it becoming a habit. Exactly. So how how do you break break not break bad habits, but start forming new habits? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that um, the, the, I mean, when I was in my, you know, I said in my forties. When I was in my twenties, I was probably a bit more evangelistic about the whole thing around, mm. you know, you know, maybe cut sugar out and you know, flour out and work, you know, those type of things because they obviously do have some, you know, pro-inflammatory, you know, mm. factors for you. Um, but if it's something for that example, um, the reality is that um, I found that if you, you know, you're going to head in that direction, I find that this is difficult because there's kind of two types of people. You know, I've got there are people out there who you know I sometimes just call the accountants. You know, who just love to have a plan and you just give it to them and mm. they just roll it out. You know, they they don't even ask questions. Okay, you want me to do this? I'll God, just I do wish it. I was like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are there's a group of the population who are just like that, and I they're, they're really easy for me to work with. And they will come back after six weeks and they'll say, 
I say, look, okay, you've been doing that. You, yeah. And I say, look, why don't we change up a few things? Oh, no, I'm enjoying this as it is. I'm going to keep doing it. You know, they just love their structure and this rolling it out. And, yeah. and um, I say, for people like that, if that's anyone there that is like that, then I would say that it's best you know, just to, you know, just to, you know, have a creative plan and do it. Um, but for probably the majority of us, um, we're, you know, thinking, you know, all different things and, you know, it's a bit more of a, you know, it's a less structured people are less structured by nature I think that it's best that you, you again you're going to finish where you started you might want to have a little bit of a break and you get that feeling give your body a bit of a kickstart in say you know six weeks or four weeks or give myself a bit of a break but not feel really guilty with yourself after six weeks eight weeks when you're not doing it anymore you better to create the plan where it's going to be a little break and you feel good and you've had a bit of a cleanse and then you come back into a, a more realistic you know thing which Version might of it. Yeah, yeah exactly so you know there's no point um, you know being super healthy and then having no social life you know there's no yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean or whatever. so what you're saying is you might take a period of time where you like say if you take the sugar example like where you cleanse yes. a bit from sugar for two or three weeks and then you yes. back off yourself and try to find some middle ground middle ground and the thing is that humans love the black and white you know don't do this do that you know this is right structure it's like you know uh, you know it's like the commandments have been written out for Mm. you but the reality is that the world is in the grey you know and for you um, the kind of more mature version of it is for you maybe sugar really sets you up you know a lot more than somebody else Somebody else, they, they say, look, I, you know, I've been eating, you know, I've been eating Anzac biscuits, you know, every day for the last 50 years and I'm still running, you know, 20 k's mm-hmm. a morning, no problem at all. So it's just about the mature version of it is, is learning how you work and going, oh, well, yeah, Andrew can eat Anzac biscuits, yeah. but I can't and it just doesn't matter. It is know? really hard though. You know, yes. it is really hard when we live in a very connected society to always feel like you're looking at what your neighbour does, you know, to... To again, I guess it goes back to that ability to listen to your body to yes. know what what actually works for me, and not feel guilty that you're not following the same super clean palate or diet as what you yes. know, your neighbour is doing. Um, yeah. Especially in, in as you find in training with other people in, in the very connected athletic world. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah where and, and I guess everyone's kind of and sometimes people are looking for the bit of one up and chip or something. But also, yeah. the, it's not so that it's also like um, uh, you know when you're doing any kind of uh, training, obviously you want to try and you know do the best for yourself too, and you want to you know make sure you're doing everything possible. Yeah. But the reality is, I think that. Um, uh, uh, it's better that you can, um, you know, do something that's realistic and uh, and be able to find that grey. And it might be dark grey, and it might be light grey, but it depends, you know. And uh, and and try it for a while and go, okay, well, that's working for me, and I don't have to worry about it. But I, I find people get way too much in their head and worry about stuff, and it's the worry of it is actually worse for you than the actual food or whatever it is for itself, you know. And um, people really get caught up in things. It's, I guess I'm in a privileged situation where I probably work with, and I'm sure I even know, like maybe 10,000 or 15,000 mm. people in, you know, 10,000 10, people I reckon, so something like that. It's a lot when I look at it. Um, and so you kind of see what was super important for this person didn't matter to them and it didn't affect them either you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like you've got to kind of be you know, careful you don't play those games and and then you get caught up in thinking about oh it's you know, i've got information it must be the food i eat well mm-hmm. it might just be you but you perfectly but people are sleeping four hours a night and sleep's the best anti-inflammatory of the lot you know so yeah. um 
you know, it's sometimes we just kind of go with what we know and, uh, you know, um, and you see these fads, I've been kind of doing this for long enough now to see the fads come through, you know, it's like, you know, the, and with food, there's been the FODMAPs and was, everyone had something wrong with that. And then, you know, so y- you can find it in yourself, you know, you can yeah. find, oh yeah, that's right, gee, I did have all that garlic and I exactly. didn't feel it is. Exactly. You know? It's so easy to, in hindsight, point the finger at something because now it's you're suddenly aware of it. <laughs> Look, I'll give you an yeah. example in our family. We went um, gluten-free for a long time. Yeah. Um, and uh, thinking that that was going to uh, have a you know, good effect, on, you know, uh, on particularly on, on our children. And, uh, and we've therefore just kind of experimented with it and found out it had absolutely no effect whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's had no effect on, on any kind of cognitive or any kind of, uh, you know, growth rate or anything like that by taking it in or out of the diet, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and myself personally, I, I cut it out for a long time too and I reckon it helps me 5%. You know, I reckon it helps me about 5%, you know, maybe less, you know. Mm. And so I've done the math on it and realized that, um, you know, it's not that big a deal for me. And, and what I also found was when I was having it all the time, uh, when I wasn't having it all the time, when I accidentally did have it, I felt rubbish, you know. And now that I have it, you know, I don't eat lots of it. I don't eat lots of bread you know, or anything like that. But when I do have something like that, you know, I'm fine. You know, yeah. it doesn't have any effect. So I've kind of realized that uh, you can get kind of caught up in stuff and you get kind of overly focused on it and it, it becomes its own weather system and it becomes its own problem. Mm. And really there's a lot of stuff we can just kind of let go and kind of, you know, you know It is refreshing away. to hear. I guess the question comes back for all of us of what do you let go? Yes. <laughs> um, because, you know, everywhere we look at preaching about, especially when it comes to diet, you know, the latest dietary trends. Mm. So, I mean, while we're on the topic, do you mind me asking? I mean, I know. Yes. I know you live on an organic farm um, <laughs> because you bought my family farm. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's when we first met each other, I think. Indeed. I wanted to hate you at the time, but I never was able to. <laughs> but, um, you know, what, what, is, what does your lifestyle look like now in terms of diet and, and that sort of lifestyle? Yeah, so, I mean, it's always been kind of uh, important to me, you know, since we had our family, was to, you know, try and live as healthily as possible. Um, and so, yeah, we were lucky enough to buy your lovely farm yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, eight acre place and uh, and so yeah so we basically try and grow as much of our food as we can you know we can't uh, the re- reality is it's kind of a cooler area so we probably only really eat six months a year out of the garden probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we still buy stuff and that's another thing we realised that we're trying to do all that right but in the end you know we couldn't get everything we wanted organically and we couldn't get everything we wanted you know seasonally necessarily so you do have to go into the grey zone again you know so you don't go oh I eat 100% seasonally and I eat 100% organically because you would miss out you know and so again it's kind of like uh, I think it's as I'm getting older I'm potentially getting a little bit more um, you know less fanatical or something but Mm. um uh, I think that, uh, yeah, the reality is we do try, uh, in, you know, in the dark grey side of things, we do try and grow um, as much of our food as we can. We also grow our own lamb as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, we've got uh, uh, some hampshires that we uh, we keep. And, uh, and so every year we'll have th- you know, three or four lambs that we'll, uh, yeah, we'll um, uh, have... Um, on the table. On the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. yeah. but, uh, but we do it really well. Like, the, yeah. you know, it um, is... Uh, you know, really the best methods possible Absolutely. and uh, we look after them really well and, you know, we really respect them, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the key, isn't it, to respect them. So have you website. ever um, thought about plant-based way, which is becoming, like, quite a, to be honest, quite 
a trend now in mm. in the ultra running world, yes. particularly, but in in general, like everywhere we look, there's plant-based cafes popping up all over the place. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I personally, you know, I really live by that. Not not explicitly, not black yes. and white, but definitely yep. try to lean more that way. Yes. Is it something that you've thought about, dabbled with, trialled? Yes, I have trialled it. And, uh, and to be honest with you, um, I didn't feel as good. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this is where the variation comes in. Isn't there are it? some people who can do so well on it mm. and other people who can't. And... Um, um, I would just use the analogy of endurance athletes versus sprinters, you know, and I'm not saying that all endurance athletes should be vegetarian or not or whatever, but, yeah, we're all different. And so, um, I, I look, from my, my personal perspective is that um, uh, I understand the ecological reasons for, for um, you know, for eating plant-based diet mm-hmm. and, um, and some of the, ethic, and the ethical reasons. And so that's why we do, you know, you know when we do look after our um, animals. animals, we look yeah. after them really well yeah. and uh and obviously we know where they came from they were just yeah. right there um and uh and so i see in from that perspective as a bit of a um uh, uh i see i guess for me that um that meat is such a nutrient-dense food you know, and this is whole kind of thing you can mm. be debated as well i know but um that you don't need to eat very much of it you don't need to have a big log, you know, but you, you know that um, it is such a, uh, a food that's full of nutrients that just having a little bit of it, um, you know, can give, give you a, get you a long way. And uh, I mean, I joke that I eat more vegetables than uh, the average vegetarian does, um, but to have that little bit of protein in the diet for me personally has made it, you know, it makes me feel yeah. a lot better. So um, I, you know, I really I work with vegetarians and vegans and things all the time. Uh, and all types of uh, and uh, you know all types of uh, different diets, but um, yeah, it's just a little bit more challenging to work with, particularly for people who are trying to build muscle and trying to get stronger. For mm. so some people, it's really hard to uh, uh, to help them without sufficient protein, and it's easier to get it from animal-based products than it is from plant-based yeah. products. Um, I know you can get it, but it's kind of like it's you know it's a lot harder and. Um, I also have the kind of view is that um, you know we live in a in a you know, you know where there is an ecology out there. So you have you have plants and you have animals, and you know and I think that uh, um, yeah, in my view that we were there you know to have both. Does that mean we have to be eating steak every dinner? Definitely not. And uh, um, but again, it comes back to learning what suits you. Um, and uh, it, it just didn't, yeah, it, you know, actually, I'm, only, I'm pretty thin anyway, but I was losing weight and not keeping my muscle up by doing it. And, uh, yeah. um, and I think you have to think about that. And also, you, you know, stress in your life too. There's, you know, if you've got a, I've got a small business and a family and, you know, the reality is I find it very hard to, you know, you need the protein and the fat for me at least to be able to run the system. So Yeah, and you have to have a very organised to some degree lifestyle you know yeah. to be able to live by that unless you know and I'll, and I'll be honest too the legumes don't really agree with me very much yeah. either so I can get the protein from those and uh, yeah. I just really you know I, I feel like a walking balloon when I have too many legumes yeah. so I just know it just doesn't suit me much yeah and, uh, uh, it's for me it's definitely been like a, a trial you know to see yeah. about it and I, I I love to try things on myself when I read about them um, yes so, I think that's great and that's an experiment and I yeah. think that's good I think that the trick is is not to um, 
uh, you know, not to kind of uh, uh, make it kind of like a, a religion type of thing. Do you know what mm. I mean? I think that that's the, that's the difficulty. Well, there, and there's a lot of cult religion almost behaviours around diet. It's a fascinating area. Exactly. Really and I think it comes back to that idea of not just being told, this is what I'm going to do. When the reality yeah. is that, you know, I'd say that's a grade three level of education. And the matriculation version is going, well, this is what they recommended, just like you're doing. Let's try it. If it works for me, it does. And I hope it does. You might have some attachment to it because you like the idea of it, but if it doesn't work, then always be prepared to alter course again and yeah, go, okay, course. well, yeah, and look, even if it just means you have a little bit here and there, well, you find out what you want, particularly if you have ethical or ecological reasons for not eating meat, then mm. just, you know, have as much as you absolutely, you know, as little as you absolutely need to make yourself run well, well or something really, like that. So. It's really interesting, my own experiences with it was that, you know, in the lead up to <coughs> competition when I'm on a regular training pattern and the body's under relatively regular stress loads it was it felt amazing like it was really mm. easy to keep going and I felt very energized but what I found was in the post um, event where there was huge stress that the body was trying to deal from yes, or recover, recover from, from yeah. add in work stress and tra- a lot of travel and all sorts of things in there I just felt hollow like I yes. felt like I just couldn't recover and my body was craving something more so yeah, that was a really interesting experience yeah. now how you deal with that is obviously the question um, but it it shows you, it brings you back into the shades of grey. Yes, um, exactly. You know, and yeah. that ability to listen intuitively to the body. I mean, just physiologically knowing what happens when you do a 100-kilometre run, you know, it's going to – you're breaking down all that tissue and uh, it that needs to be repaired. And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's easier ways of repairing it than others. So yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I guess maybe before we kind of move on a little bit, mm. uh, I'm just also interested to know – just, I guess, a little bit more about some of the principles that perhaps you've been thinking about with your own lifestyle more recently. I mean, there's been obviously huge discussions recently about whether, um, you know, war, the war on waste concept that's been coming yes, out. Yes, indeed, and, yeah. And it, uh, like, I think in our, all of us in our ideal worlds, we'd love to think we could live relatively minimal waste lifestyles and stuff, but... Mm. I mean, what what do you take? Well, look, I, I just got back from a holiday in Indonesia. I spent mm. two weeks in Indonesia, and I just saw, you know, how bad it can get. Basically, you know, I was trying to swim at these beautiful beaches, you know, with the beautiful headlands and the temples, and you're swimming, and every third stroke, you strike a piece of plastic, you know, yeah. and you just go. You know, you're walking on the beach, and they're burning the plastics on the beach or burying it under the sand, and you're going. You know, when you know, this is how bad it can get. You know, mm. you know, dumping rubbish into the into the you know, and obviously we've got a better waste management system going here. But the reality is, we're still producing it. Yeah. You know, and you can see that it's not that much better. When you, I saw the ABC program recently, and uh, it's just you realise that um, we might be bearing it, but we're not. You know, we you know, it's unsustainable what's mm. happening, and so. Um, yeah, so from our perspective, uh, yeah, trying to um, uh, reduce our, our use. I mean, I guess we do a lot better than most. We're growing our own veggies, so we're not bringing home cucumbers wrapped in plastic mm. and stuff like that, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's such a it's such a big issue that really is not being you know that was, program was great to hopefully hope bring some light on it. Really it. opened up so many questions, didn't it, for so many of us? Yeah, yeah. and I like I I guess you know I. 
I just really admire people like yourself who have who appear to live by a relatively carefree but principled lifestyle. You know, like so that's what I'm getting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. Yeah, have you know you got to you know I mean if you don't have things you believe in, then you kind of can get just blown around in the in the in the wind. You know, so you have yeah. got to have some things you, you really. Stick well, I guess to. that was what I was coming to is that all of these things like you've talked a bit about sleep, hydration, nutrition, mindset, movement. You know, I guess they all help to, you know, and then that conscientious living, they help to, I guess, create your identity or sense of self. And then on top of that, you base your challenges, your goals, what you are striving for. Is that correct? That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 What, what happens, do you think, if maybe you haven't done that work on your yourself, we'll call it, yes. and then you set that big goal because your best friends also entered it and you think it's the thing to do. What, yes. what, do, what from your own experience, what do you think happens in that situation? Um, I've, um, it's really interesting because, I mean, I've done this, you know, you know, I'm interested in heaps of different things, so I often find myself underprepared for things because I, you know, I'm so interested in lots of different things, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none, so I'm always finding myself a bit underdone, at least I feel like I am. I don't you otherwise, but... <laughs> and, and, the, uh, and the reality is that you, um, I think you, people always feel underdone, you know, you're always going to feel underdone, but if you're coming back to, like, you know, thinking about, you know, whether you should do something or not... Um, the reality is, uh, you know, you ask yourself the question, you know, is number one, I think, is it going to be fun? You know, am I going to enjoy myself doing this? And even if it's going to be hard, you know, that doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a challenge, but, yeah, am I going to enjoy it? And, uh, and secondly, is it going to be good for me? You know, is it actually really good for, you know, my body and my health and whatever? And I keep coming back to that because the reality is because – you know, I see this a lot is that people will do a, you know, a, a, um, you know, a half marathon and then they do a marathon and then they go, oh, what's next? You know, and then it's like you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's, you know, it's fine if you can prepare for it and you've got the time. But again, find that middle ground of going, well, this is, let me enjoy this 21K run, you know, and uh, that's what I've got time for in my life. Let's just enjoy that, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and save that time. And not feel like I've got to do the next and the biggest and the greatest. I was going to say, I guess the, the challenge of that is really for a lot of us living with the guilt that when we maybe have the potential to go on and do it, mm. but under your different lifestyle, there is a restraint there that it makes that hard to kind of yeah. pursue. And I think guilt, guilt's a horrible emotion to live with. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Well, the reality is we all have so much potential. We have even, you think you're sitting there, well, I could do it, so therefore I should. That's kind of a faulty mm. logic for a start. But we do have all these potential things we could do, um, but, and we can go like a big shotgun and try and do all the different things. But instead, take, we can enjoy all those things. We'll just take one or two of those things and really enjoy it and savour it for what it is. I mean, it's kind of like social media. There's only so much you can take in. There's only so much you can do. And so, therefore, you know, take what you really like and, and make the most of it and enjoy it. And I think that that's uh, a better principle than to, you know, try and feel like you've got to do the next thing. And, 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 and guilt can basically, you know, it can rule you or you can kind of just, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, uh, I don't really suffer from a lot of guilt, to be honest. I often think of things I could do better, you know, for my family or my friends or whatever. That kind of guilt occurs all the time. Um, 
But the reality is, if you're being really honest with yourself and listening to your body and kind of going with it, you know, you, you realize that you can appraise and go, okay, there's not much more I could actually, you know, do here. Therefore, you know, let it go, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just be able to enjoy what you are doing and uh, what you are contributing. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes it's about... Um, not realizing that you can't turn the guilt radio off for those of you us who um, exactly it. yeah and just acknowledging it and thanking your brain and, and just thinking about well what you know what can this teach me at this moment in time and I guess that brings you back to the concepts of mindfulness that have been floating around exactly because you see I guess you know it, I wouldn't see guilt as a negative thing necessarily it's a, one of the you know your guiding forces I suppose it's just that you can let it override or you can just take a take notice of of it and then be able to you know either adjust course or go yeah well thanks for that but I'm just going to keep heading where I am yeah and then I guess just the full circle it brings us back to if you have those six foundations of mindset breathing sleep hydration nutrition and movement under wraps then when you, you a you're less likely to experience guilt because you have a much stronger sense of self and and a health to base everything on yes but b when you do experience guilt then it can be rec- you can listen to it as you know, how is this guiding me in those six principles and in my goals that I set on top of them? Exactly. You've got the you've got some principles in place that you can always come back to yeah. and run through. It's like having a clear lens. You can run through your those ideas through. You know, is this serving me? Is this going to be uh, beneficial? Yeah. You know, is this going to help others? You know, all those types of things. Yeah. Um, and just let it be a... Uh, um, yeah, let that be the, your underpinning so you can always kind of run those ideas through it and you don't have to kind of, yeah, you don't have to kind of get wobbly. You can kind of just hold your ground and be mm. stable and where you are and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and let it go. That's, yeah. And I guess like the top level of that that I've been sort of putting on top of all of that sort of basis of foundation is really, you know, identifying what my own values are. So, you know, for instance, example is like how important and where the family fit into me and mm. how important and where is friendship fit in for me because I find that, you know, when I'm more aware of really what my values are, you know, one of them very strongly is contributing to mm. yes. society. So, you know, family, friendship, contribution, self-growth and challenge, you know, they're, they're a lot of my values. They sit for me over the six foundations of health. And it's really only after that that you put in the goals. Yes, yeah, exactly. The goal, yeah, the, I think the goals come last, but I think so many of us get to a point of pain, and I've been a sucker for this at times, get to a point of pain and think, shit, I shouldn't swear, <laughs> help, I need to put a goal in place to kind of, work towards but I, but I really think there's some groundwork that needs to be done first and foremost yeah and also I would just think of um, uh, you've got the, the, the framework in place and then think about um, uh, goals are useful um, but growth is better you know mm-hmm. so you've actually growth is kind of like because people have goals but once you get there you stop yeah but growth yeah, is something yeah. you kind of yeah. grow through your goals so to speak and so yeah. therefore um, you can kind of think of it that way so it's not like a stop start kind of approach it's kind of like a, just a gradual oh, progression so. absolutely and uh, I certainly feel and I'm sure you have as well where you've you've been working so strongly towards this goal that you almost blind yourself for what what comes next and yes. you get to it and you do it and then there's this huge hole and hollow feeling afterwards yes. that, this void that you suddenly like 
really grappling with. That it's a really bizarre feeling. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's like you've lost a friend in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is like a sense of loss. And I, you know, I'm really nodding my head at that at the moment. Um, you know, where I've, you know, I think in my head made this movement into retirement from elite sports. So mm. you, you take away those sorts of goals. And it is, it is a sense of loss. It's like a real, yeah, learning, yeah, learning to, you know, fill that <laughs> void somehow. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think what we've been talking about, about, you know, working on your foundations, working on your values, that really plays so much importance in stability in your life. They're always there then. And, uh, and you know, they're kind of your guiding principles. Yeah. And, um, and I guess the other side of this too is that, um, and you say, you know, elite, you know, sport and things like that. Um, this last year in the Masters, uh, uh, they had the Masters Athletics, and uh, um, you know I try to do three or four events on each of the two days, and um, these two, you know, so I, on one day I think I did the um, the four hundred and the fifteen hundred, and there was that one hundred meters in the middle which I would have liked to have done, but. I didn't, you know, I thought, no, I wouldn't be able to do a 1500 after doing a 400 and a 100 as well. And, uh, and so, but there were these two guys there in their 60s and, and I said, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing the 400 and the 100 and the 1500. <laughs> and I goes, how are you going to do all that? He said, well, we're just going to enjoy it. You know, we're not going to go at 100% exactly. in each of these events. Exactly, where you set your expectations. Exactly, and yeah. so they're still doing it. Like, they're, they've been doing it since they were young and they're still doing it now. So I see that what they're doing, the wisdom in that is amazing in the yeah. fact that they have decided you know yeah, if we go hell for leather in the 100 metres we're going to completely probably injure ourselves or we're going to you know be so tired afterwards that we won't be able to do a decent 1500 but you know, kind of, if we kind of do it at 90% or 80% you know we'll get through it and then we'll recover and we'll be able to do another run and the amazing thing is when you take that pressure off yourself of like I've got to overperform in this event exactly. or in this task that you're doing it's incredible how you actually end up exceeding those hidden expectations anyway. You're like, taking out all the blockers. So yeah. all these uh, things that are kind of actually causing you interference yeah. or resistance are actually being taken away. I was having this conversation with a lady yesterday actually in a consult on the phone and you know she was talking about her experience at the 100K recently and how she just suffered emotional pain the whole way through it. And I said, well, where do you think the emotional pain was coming from? And she goes, expectations. Yeah. And the expectation of the time that I was going to run. And I realised I was behind and I couldn't get back on track and then I suffered pain emotionally for the rest of the event and we, just, we talked about, you know, do you think that if you'd gone in without that expectation that you would have run better? And she goes, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's about that, I guess, not setting realistic expectations of yourself at the beginning but, you know, try to try to have, I guess, not pass or fail goals, isn't mm. it? You know, I just exactly. I want to participate in this event and have fun and do my best. There's no pass or fail in that. No, exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, whereas setting it to be, I've got to finish in 15 hours, you See, know, is- Exactly. See, so for, for me, like, um, you know, for the decathlon, I've set myself a goal of trying to do half the world record. So the world record is like 9,000 points, and I'm trying to do 4,500. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. So the point of that is, is that, in the end, if I get 4,500 or I only ever get 3,800, the reality is the journey along the way has got me to this point, Love it. you know, where I'm so much fitter and stronger and healthier than I would have been if I hadn't have done it at all. So that's the, that's the result. That's the positive result. It's not that I didn't get there or if I do, that's a bonus, you know. Yeah. It's like it's actually all the stuff that's in behind it that's really what I'm enjoying, you know. And you're very not lucky. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't say that. You're very... I'm wise to pick up on the fact that the journey is is the bit that has made 
you know, it taught you on the way as opposed to the conversation I had with this woman yesterday is that I guess she had somehow got to this point where if I run 15 and a half hours in this 100k event, mm. I will be able to show myself that I'm a stronger person. Yes. And I said, but surely isn't it the work you did along the way Absolutely. that made you the stronger person? Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't preaching from a point of converted or, you know, yes. virtue there because, to be honest, I'd also suffered the same trap. And it's a very common yes. trap. Oh, absolutely, You know, I yeah. think we all set out with that, you know, oh, I'm just going to have fun. But then as you start getting into it and start working with people alongside you, that you're, you start moving those benchmarks and those goalposts, don't you? Exactly. And, you know, you find out what these arbitrary numbers are, like, you know, sub 40 minute 10 10K or something like yeah. that. That makes me a good runner all of a sudden. Yeah, well, yeah. goodness, if you can do a 48-minute you know, 10K or a 58-minute 10K and you can run it well and, you know, then all the training you did going into that, you know, is what's the set you up for, you know, that, you know, it's, that's getting you out of bed feeling bright and bubbly in the yeah. morning. Um, and it's when that goes beyond that that's when it's not, it's when you want to readdress it again. I yeah. sometimes like to think of it that if, if there was someone who didn't know me and they met me before the event, and they met me after the event, would they notice a difference? Yes, that's know, a good idea. Depending yeah. on how, how I run or how yeah. I perform in the task. And yes. I sometimes find that's an easier way to kind of, <laughs> I don't know, take the pressure off myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, and, and you, even though people, you know, who really focus on what they're doing, um, the, the other aspect of it, of course, is you really want to make sure that you have those multifaceted parts yeah. of your life too. That it's not just one thing you, you're focusing on. Like, yeah. It's good to have that one thing you're focusing on. Uh, one or two things you're kind of really focusing on as long as you've got that balance with everything or not yeah. balance but you've got that kind of you've know, got lots of different things to hang your hat on as well yeah so. interesting so I just want to get almost to a point of conclusion now but I've got one final question on this and that that's like Andrew have you always been you feel like your life's been leading you towards this very holistic approach or was there a point in you know in your lifetime where you just consciously made the decision one day to make a change like were you brought up with this kind of mentality and some of these principles and that you have evolved them over time oh yeah look um i guess i grew up on a uh, i grew up on a farm so okay. a big farm so i uh i kind of got to you know see how the web of life kind of works there yeah. and so um but as i i guess i've got older um i kind of you know i guess realized yeah when you're working with with, with people um, and it's really just been through, you know, I mean, you know, people have taught me in many respects. I've just learned from people effectively um, and seen that, uh, uh, you know, how, you know, everyone works so differently, but how everything's so connected. And so, mm-hmm. you know, how people's breathing patterns affect their ability to be able to, you know, to, to be able to do different movements, you know, all the way through to the way, you know, as we talked about before, how sleep has such a, can have a, such a negative effect or how mindset can have such an effect on people and how interrelated all those things are. That if you kind of just say, oh, I'm going to here work on your knee today, Henny, because you've got mm-hmm. a sore knee, then I might help you. But I learned over a period of time that there are people there, you know, lying there going, I've got a sore knee, but that's not really why I'm here. You know, like I've got lots of other stuff going on. And, and so I, I don't try and delve in, you know, in the deep, dark regions for people. But no. the reality is you, you realise that the, the body is so interconnected and that uh, it's not until sometimes you, you, you tidy up something completely unrelated to what, the knee problem might have been that they actually they move on and uh, and get beyond it and that's uh, 
So I guess I, you know, it's from working with all the, with all different types of people that you get a kind of summation of all that you know that you kind of gain and you can kind of cipher it and then you kind of see that you know if you're just you know very clinical and just focus on this then you're probably missing the boat not all yeah. the time but some of the time sometimes people walk in with they've just hurt their shoulder you know serving a tennis ball and you just need to kind of get that right but other times you realize it's you know from a muscular perspective is because you know their abs aren't working properly or they're not using their legs properly in the movement they're doing or you know they're just really not looking after themselves and they've run themselves down and their shoulder was the first thing that happened to be the weakest link yeah you know, so. and the willingness isn't there and the back's therefore complaining yeah, yeah. I, I completely wow awesome so maybe to summarize um what would you say your greatest strength is oh my greatest strength well i um I, I, look, I think my uh, you know ability to connect with people, I think, would be my my best strength. I think I you know can seem to you know work with a, a wider range of people from you know I work with and I need to I suppose I work with elite athletes all the way to ninety year old grandmas and everyone in between and uh, and to be able to and I think I got that from my golf actually because I used to play golf when I was younger and I used to you know mix with a wide spectrum it's of true, you know, the community yeah. so you'd have to learn how to behave in front of an eighty year old and you had to learn how to behave in front of a you know a, a twenty year old and you know you kind of get good at that you know so that's probably where I learned that from but uh, yeah you definitely have like a a way of um, exuding empathy I think you know it allows you to connect no matter what where your head or phys- physical place really is that's something that I've noticed about working with you yeah. um yeah, look, yeah. I think you've got to be able to meet people where they are, and um, and that's the thing in my job. You've got to be, um, you've got to follow these principles because if you don't bring enough energy to the table, then you're going to be, you know, they're going to be giving you energy rather than you giving them energy. So yeah. you know, you got to be uh, at a point where you know you've got to be helpful, and uh, so therefore you've got to be able to show what you can, you know, practice. But there's, <laughs> but there's something about having that empathetic personality and that ability to connect with people which allows the person on the other side to be authentic and yes. to let you into their world so i think it goes further than yeah yeah well i think it's a non-judgment thing too like to be honest with you like we all have our stuff and we all have different strengths and weaknesses and things and just to be able to sit with somebody and realize that uh that everyone's perfectly okay where they are and uh you've got some super strengths here and some you know some things there that you can see because we all work with so many people i think you just you get to realise that uh, you know everyone's at a different place in different aspects of their life, and uh, and just to be with it, and not to say you know you know why haven't you figured this out already? The reality is that uh, we figure things out at different speeds and mm. uh, at different times. So yeah, yeah, cool, love it. And what would you say your greatest fear is? Um, my greatest fear, um, yeah, I, I don't like to. Uh, um, I always fear of not knowing something, to be honest with you. Uh, I, you know, as I said, I, I try and be across, you know, that's the problem with going to be a bit of a knowing a bit about, you know, all the things to try and be useful is that, uh, you know, I may not know enough about one thing. So um, I, particularly when people are coming in for advice, or whatever, that fear of not being able to help someone or not knowing something that would be really important for that person, that's kind of a, you know, that kind of, it's <laughs> a bit of a fear, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What I've come to learn about fear is that it's something that we need to work through, that it's telling us basically to keep pursuing till you get to the other side yes. and accomplish. So in those in that situations, it's about, you know, me 
maybe it's about going away and recognizing this as a weak a weakness of mine and I need to learn this skill or this knowledge so therefore next time I come back I'm not going to feel fear yeah that's right it's actually really interesting fear is a great one yeah yeah no fear is uh you know I guess it's another driver isn't it it's uh you know and uh um, but it can also be a break. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it really yeah. can. You yeah. know, like the fear of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, again, yeah. So those are the, the, from. Yeah, I guess fear is. Uh, um, yeah, something I don't think about a lot. But if you on the spot like that, I think that would be my thing of uh, you know of not knowing something or, or seeming to be not knowing something. I suppose where that's. Uh, uh, I think, yeah, I think it is something that personally, like you know, you don't want everyone to set out and think, oh gosh, what you know, what do I fear in life? But I think it is an, an important question to ask yourself every now and then because, yes. like you say, it, it can be a driver. And if yes. you if you've been happily plodding along in the same little pattern for a long time, and you you know you realise you need to shake it up, it can actually be a really interesting starting place yes. because it might be that you've been trundling along in one path that's quite clearly and almost purposely taking you away from your fears. Indeed, yeah, exactly. Three right. them can get you to another another place. That's a really yeah. good point. That's yes. Avoid the uh, cotton wool treatment. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what would you say your greatest challenge is then? Um, but ch- the greatest challenge is to be able to to um, to find the like. I think it's for a lot of people. It's the same as uh, uh, to be able to you know find that right uh, you know mix of being able to do things for myself make sure I give to my family and to, you know, and to the community and try mm-hmm. and find, you know, and, you know, through my work, uh, you know, trying to find the, you know, the, I hate saying the word, but the balance of, of that and, that, you know, it, it's never balanced, as you said before. The reality is it's always in a state of flux. Um, but, you know, it's a game of spitting plates sometimes and, mm-hmm. uh, and so therefore, um, you know, trying to keep that happening without, uh, you know, without overdoing it is the biggest yeah, challenge. Yeah, definitely, I think, and yeah. I think for all of us that juggle busy lives, like I, one thing that was the best bit of advice I was ever given, um, when, especially when I started Find Your Feet and really wanted to make a contribution to people's lives was um, that you really have to work on self first. Yes. That if you're not a healthy specimen and you haven't given yourself the mindset and the space and the correct nutrition and sleep, then you're no use really to anyone. No, that's right. And yeah. you kind of can't, the saying is you can't give what you don't have. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have health, then you can't really help someone else find it either. And, uh, yeah. um, and so you've got to know what it feels like to be passionate enough to want to help other people find it as well. You know? Yeah, so. so true. And I think it's been really highlighted to me running you know um, a workplace for others where if you're if you're not coming in on your a game it's very hard to let others be on their a game yes so, yeah. yeah um interesting uh would you say you're perfectionist or you that's enough attitude uh, yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a that's enough attitude. I think if I was a perfectionist trying to do, you know, across multi different areas all the time, and you know, like uh, I love the like, you know, I don't even like the idea of it to be honest, because I see how often it's destructive being perfe- a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm a just enough person because I think if you can do it 80 percent well, it's, now this probably goes against everything, but the reality is if you can do something 80 percent well, you can get a lot out of it, and you can do a lot of good at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like when I walk on the neighbouring farms and see fences that are 
you know perfectly lined up and you know and you know things that everyone seems to be a bit the reality is um, when you do something to perfection probably something else is being left behind and so oh, yeah. uh, I think if, you know the old 80-20 rule if you can keep rolling that out you know in all aspects of your life it's probably going to lead you to the closest uh, yeah, you know, result. Yeah I so. liken it to when you're training I think it's an accumulation of training over time that ends up leading to performance and I think it's the same in life isn't it like yes. an accumulation of good actions and or um, desirable yeah desirable actions ultimately leads to a better place sort of get more longevity out of it definitely again you yeah because you can always try and refine things and make them better and better until you just really it's not sustainable anymore yeah. and so yeah it's about you know like you know I would love to be keeping really detailed information on my training for my decathlon, you know, like, you know, what was my heart rate after my 400 metres, stuff like that. The reality is that, uh, you know, I don't have time for that, you know, and I don't, you know, have time to really track it. So I, you know, for, I create a program. I don't always get it done, but I know that over the years, next two years, that if I just keep working on it, have some pillars in place, but, you know, you know, realise that life gets in the way sometimes, so if I just keep moving in that direction, that I'll get as close as I can to doing as best I can. Brilliant. And there we are, back at values again. (laughs) Um, Intuition or pre-planned? I think we covered this earlier for you. Yeah, no, I'm definitely intuitive more than pre-planned, I think. It doesn't mean you don't have some element of both, but... That's exactly right, yeah. It's again, not black and white, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess I rely on uh, uh, intuition, yeah. yeah and uh, But, you know, as you say, you've got to have plans in place, yeah. Awesome. Um, what does success mean to you, the word success? Um, success means uh, happiness to me, actually. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, yeah. I had that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, I mean, effectively, that's... Um, uh, I guess uh, I see uh, happiness... Um, as the ultimate success, basically. So um, that, you know, uh, two parts of us, you know, and obviously we've been covering some kind of serious topics and things today, but everyone forgets that um, element of the most important element of fun and happiness uh, as being what we really ought to be all striving for, basically. So, um, yeah, so if it hasn't, that's my idea. If if we can get to the end of the day and we've had fun and we feel happy about what we've been doing, then that's success for me. Well, I think I might... I might use your definition of success because when I thought about it a while ago, I was thinking about your willingness to sit on on the edge of discomfort. Yeah, right. So, you, you know, it's not that you have to sit there, but it, do you have the willingness to put yourself in that place? Yeah. Yours sounds a long way. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I like that, I like that too yeah. because obviously it's nice to be challenging yourself. Um, and, it's, and, again, this is the, the kind of the, the middle of the road thing. is like you're challenging yourself and you're having fun doing it. Um, it's only when you kind of then go to that next level where it's too hard and it's all, it, it all becomes, you know, too much friction that that's when it's no, not fun anymore. And so, Love yeah, it. it's a balance, isn't it, again? So maybe to finish up, like, I guess we've talked about a lot today, like a lot. Yes, <laughs> we've covered a lot of topics and very diverse ones. Um, if someone was listening to this podcast and just thought, what's one take-home from today's conversation that I can slowly look at implementing into my lifestyle? Maybe they also want to sort of embark on, you know, and improving on an element of self or a new challenge or goal. Like, mm. what, what advice would you give them? Um, I would... Uh, yeah, you, it's where you start it from. It's um, basically starting from a position of, you know, not being too judgmental on yourself. So... Um, if you want to make a change, uh, it's not that you've been, you know, you know, bad or wrong up until oh, this point. 
you know, yeah, it's just cool. actually you're starting there and you're going to move in a slightly different direction, you know. So, um, so that's the, that would be the, the first thing because if it's coming from a, a starting point of feeling that you've been doing the wrong thing, the reality is that's you know, again, give you that uh, you know, kind of empty feeling. The reality oh, is yeah. you want to start from a perspective of going, well, I could do this a bit better. And, uh, and then head in that direction. Then you're not giving yourself an uppercut before you get started. I you know? love that. So, I'm so good at spanking myself and <laughs> yeah. getting started. I'm going to take that on board for myself, actually, after oh. today's conversation. Oh, good. <laughs> awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're welcome. And um, we'll me. give all our listeners the details of healthy training and your you know, work so that if they want to make contact with you, they can. Oh, thanks, Henny. Thanks for cool. having me. That's no, a pleasure.